0: Merry Christmas again, so grateful to spend uh, some of your holiday with you. As I begin my few minutes with you this evening, I want to share a story of a young boy who decided he really wanted a bicycle, but the problem was he wasn't quite sure how to pray. And so he decided to watch some Christian t- television to see maybe if he can learn some things and take what they he saw there and maybe pray to God and to get this bicycle. And so one evening, he turns on the TV. He watches a very uh, high church program. High church, if you're not familiar with the word, just think very uh, traditional, formal robes, maybe incense, uh, choir, just very traditional in that sense. And uh, after watching that, he prayed this prayer before he went to bed. He said, Almighty and eternal God, if it is in your vast and infinite plan, that I get myself a bicycle, but may it be according to your perfect will, that I may sing your excellencies every day that I ride it, world without end. Amen. Next morning, he wakes up, runs outside, no bicycle. At this point, he's a little frustrated. He thought, well, maybe I just didn't do it right. And so he watches some more uh, television, Christian television. And that night, he watches maybe a more uh, prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, if you will, version. And he thought they sounded very confident in what they were praying and what they were saying. So I ought to try it that way. And so before he goes to bed, he he prays this way. He says, dear Jesus, I declare my need for a bicycle. And if I declare it, I also declare that it be blue and silver and demand that it be here tomorrow morning by 6 a.m. Because you want your children to prosper and to be happy, and I need my bicycle to be happy. Thank you. Amen. So he wakes up the next morning really excited, runs outside, no bicycle. And so at this point, he's very frustrated. He's walking around the house, not sure what to do. And his mother sees him, and she's kind of curious as to what her son is doing. And finally, he walks into his mother's room and sees a statue of Mary. And so he takes this statue of Mary, puts it under his arm, goes outside into the, back, into the backwoods. And about 10 minutes later, he comes back with no statue. His mother, again, very confused about what is going on, sees him come into uh, into the house, bolt right into his bedroom, and close the door. And as he kneels down to pray, his mother walks to the door, puts her ear on the door to hear, and she hears him praying this, Dear Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, give me a bicycle. Now, I share that story for one reason. One, it's just awesome. And two, if we're honest, I think that's sometimes how we view God. Right? We have wants, we have needs, we have desires, and it seems as though he's not coming through on his end. It seems as though he might not be doing what we want him to do. It seems as though that he might not actually be a gracious and loving father. And so here's the question I want us to look at as we begin this morning. And that's this. Is God a generous God? Is God actually a generous God, or does he kind of act like this boy thought that God should act towards him, and then he doesn't do what the boy wants, and then he gets mad? What does it mean for God to be generous, and is he generous? Now, spoiler alert, we're celebrating here the fact that he is generous. We're looking that he would come and give his only son, give of himself to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so I want to read the story here this morning in Luke chapter 2 about what does it look like and what does it mean for God to actually be a generous God. And here's what it says. If you have a Bible and want to read along with us, you can pull it out. If not, there's a black one somewhere around you. It'll be page 909. If you want to read along and if you do not own a Bible, you can take one of those black ones home. It is our gift to you now there are two birth stories uh, in, the, in the New Testament. One is in Matthew chapter two, and this one is in Luke chapter two, and that's the one we're going to read this evening. And here's how it goes: It says, "In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town." Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the family line, or of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, they came. The time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available. For them. So what we have happening, again, it's the birth of Jesus. Jesus uh, jo- Joseph and Mary live in Israel, which is under Roman rule. At this point, they want to take a census, and so they have to go back to their family of origin. And for Joseph, that happens to be in Bethlehem. And before I want to get to the point here, one of my favorite Christmas traditions is to fix the Christmas story. The nativity scene that we all know and love is actually quite historically inaccurate. And so what I want to do, at least from the Luke's perspective, is f- fix a few of those things so you, we actually know what is going on here. The first is this. Uh, Mary and Joseph, as we saw here, uh, pro- uh, opposed to pro- popular belief, uh, did not actually travel the night when she was actually going to give birth. Right? We typically think they get there, they rush to some inn somewhere, there's no, uh, there's no place for them, they find a stable, right at the last minute, they're saved, she gives birth that's not what happens. What, we do, what do we see in verse 6? Then uh, while they were there, in, in other words, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. So they were likely there for at least a few months before she gave birth. And the other thing is they would not have actually traveled if she was actually going to give birth that very night. So firstly, they had been there for a while. Secondly, they didn't travel alone. Again, the stereo picture is A stereotypical picture is Joseph and Mary riding a donkey. It actually would have taken them probably about two to three days to make this journey, and they would have traveled with a group because it was extremely unsafe to travel by yourself. Now, the big debate is where was Jesus actually born? Again, a lot of times we think maybe a stable, some sort of inn with animals or outside the inn with animals. Uh, What we actually see, and of course we don't know this for sure, but what we actually see is it is highly probable that Jesus was actually born in a home was actually born in a home. What we see here in verse seven, it says that that they, uh, they get, she gave birth to her firstborn fo- uh, son wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available to him. Here's what we know in terms of inns and or hotels. It's probably uh, not the best translation because in that time, particularly in a rural town like Bethlehem, it is highly unlikely that they would have had any sort of inns or motels or hotels of any kind. Uh, secondly, we know that Middle Eastern culture today, and maybe even more so back then, was ex- is extremely hospitable they would not have, re- have rejected their own family from staying with them. And even if they weren't pleased with the fact that Mary was pregnant and they were not married yet and they do not sure, quite sure what's going on, they would not have said, no, you can't stay here. What's likely happening here is that the houses that they lived in were not very big. Most of them did not have guest rooms, and if they did, they weren't very big, number one, and number two, they were often on little wafts that you had to climb up on a ladder to get to. Now, Mary about to give birth, There's not a lot of room to give birth up there, especially when you would have all the other women around there helping her. What was likely happening is that she was actually in the main room of the house, not a side or a guest room because it was the only part of the house that was big enough for other people to be there to help her deliver the baby. Now, what do we do with the manger? Back in those times, most houses actually had mangers or feeding troughs built into the side of their walls because at night they would keep the animals in for either to keep them warm or to keep them from getting stolen. And so they would have been there. Animals, if it was at night, actually might have been inside as well. And so that's nothing against our good old uh, fashioned nativity scenes, but they're wrong. That's not what it looked like. Anyway, all that to say, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's what we see and here's what we need to know as we look at this Christmas story. And that's this, that God came. What we need to see here is that God came. Now, you might be saying, yeah, I get that. That's not a big deal. But here's the reality of the situation, that this is not some hypothetical feel-good story. It is not some hypothetical feel-good story. This story only actually helps us and gives us hope and gives us joy if it is actually true. Because if it is not true, it doesn't matter, right? And I think all of us have been in situations where we were excited for something and we were anticipating something, and then it turned out not to be what we thought, and then we were really disappointed. And the same is true for this story. If it is not true, then what we're doing here does not matter. What we're doing here, we're actually wasting our time. It reminds me, uh, one of the, for, I don't know, for whatever reason, this was the first thing that popped in my mind of a time that I was excited for something and it didn't work. I was in middle school, I think this was around 2001-ish, because it was the first time the Panthers were in the Super Bowl. And I was at a middle school, my little youth group had a uh, Super Bowl party. And uh, what happens at Super Bowl parties is they get you there, because they want all the kids there, but then at halftime, what do they do? They turn off the Super Bowl and make you listen to somebody preach, right? That's how they get you, right? Now, it's probably a good reason that this happened this year, because it was the year of Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. (laughs) I don't think you wanted to watch that in church. But what we were more disappointed was... Was before the guy came out to speak, uh, he, I don't, I think it was Remember the Titans or some big movie that came out that year. And I don't know if it was Samuel L. Jackson or whoever starred in it. I don't know. Nobody corrected me after the first service, so I guess that's right. Um, uh, the guy before, he's like, he's standing by the curtain and he's talking in Samuel L. Jackson's voice. So we're at Gullible at this point. We're like, this is awesome. He's actually here. We we're no longer upset that we weren't watching the halftime show. Then walks out, it's some white guy with the beard. Like, What is this? This is not Samuel L. Jackson. And so we were upset, right? We were excited about something, and then it didn't actually happen. And as we read this story, we just need to know that the reason that this gives us hope and joy, even in the midst of whatever we may be going through, is because it is real. If it wasn't real, it would not matter. What we see here is that God actually came. And then verse 8, the story continues. In this same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made note to us. Now, here's what's interesting. You might be familiar with this story, but as an original reader, what it would have caught your mind or got your eye or ear, your ear was the fact that the first people to hear about the birth of the Messiah were shepherds. At that time, shepherds were considered low class. If you were to put it in modern terms, you would think of them as minimum wage workers. Now, I'm not degrading that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but in that culture, that is not who you would expect the people for people to hear, the, the first people to hear the news. Right? You would not expect if the Messiah of the world to come for angels to show up uh, to a bunch of garbage men or to a bunch of people working, working in the back of McDonald's. Again, nothing wrong with that, but no, none of us would think that. We would think people of power and prestige and maybe high character and, and deserving of hearing this news, what we see is that's not the case. The first people to find it are people that nobody would think should actually hear it first. And if you're familiar with what happens to Jesus at the end of his life, right? he is crucified and then he is resurrected, and who are the first people to hear about the resurrection? Women who in that culture could not even give a testimony in court. And so what we see here is this, that no one is too insignificant to God. There is absolutely no one, no matter who you are, no matter what culture may think of you or what you do, no matter what you have done or what has done been, happened to you, is too insignificant to God. We see he loves all of us in spite of us, regardless of what we have or have not done, that he actually loves all of us. In other words, here's what this shows us. That not only did, did God come, but it also shows us that God cares. It shows us that the God of the universe actually shows up and actually cares about us. And here's what we know, right? It's one thing to say you care about someone and you want to be there for someone. It's quite another thing to actually show up, right? If you've ever been stood up or you've ever made plans and people don't show up, it kind of rubs you the wrong way. And what we see is that God does not just say, I'm a God of love. He does not just say, go and love other people, but he actually shows Oh, and this might be a kind of cheesy example, but when I was a freshman in college my first year, I was a music major before I switched. And uh, as a music major, I was in chorus, and even if someone is in chorus, like going to a choral concert, not that fun, at least to me. Like it's not that fun, right? And so I remember the first semester we had this chorus concert, and a bunch of my friends actually showed up. And I remember being very impacted by that. I'm like, why would they come? especially because we're singing in German or something. Like, I don't even know what I'm saying, right? I'm just doing this because I have to, right? Actually, what, what did that think? The fact that they showed up meant that they actually cared. And what we see here is that we cannot say, no matter what struggles you may have, no matter, no matter what doubts you may have, no matter what difficulties you may be going through, while we don't always know why, right? We don't always know why God allows things to happen the way that they do. We do know this. It's not because he doesn't care, because if he didn't care, he wouldn't have come. And that is exactly what he did. And so here's how the story, at least the part that we're reading, ends. It says this, verse 16. So after the shepherds hear that the Messiah has been born, it says this. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, to, uh, returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now, again, real quick, just to fix the Christmas story for you, there's a good chance the shepherds were not actually there the night that Jesus was born. It would have been the day or two later. Uh, but anyway, here's the point. God's coming is actually quite an incredible thing. But again, it's it's not just that he came, but it's why he came that actually makes a difference, right? Again, this is not some feel-good story of happiness, Yeah, God is here. It's what he came to do to actually make this hope and joyful for us, that he came to give his life for us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, so that anyone who would love and, tr- and follow and trust in what Christ has done, not what you have to try to do, would receive the grace and mercy of God that none of us, deserve. In Isaiah chapter 53, it'll be on the screen, written roughly 700-ish years before this Messiah, this Jesus, were to be born, tells us exactly what this Messiah was going to come to do, and here's what it says, chapter 53, verse 3. It says, he, again talking about Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. In other words, Jesus gladly came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so the question then becomes, what do we do with this, right? How do we respond to someone, to the God of the universe, who does not need anything from us, who does not want anything from us, but yet, in spite of what we have done, gladly gave of himself so that we could experience him? What do we need to do? Here's what we need to do. We need to respond to our Savior. We need to respond to our Savior. And notice what's important here, that we don't uh, we don't have to follow and worship Jesus because it's the right thing to do, or because we're supposed to do it, or because He'll be mad at us if we don't. We simply, all we have to do is respond to the good news of what He has come to do for us. And, and, and we all know this, right? Like, whenever someone has been generous to you, or maybe done something for you that you didn't ex- expect, like, you don't have to be told uh, to be thankful. You don't have to be told to be appreciative. Like, if somebody does something significant to you, you can't help but respond. And when we actually see what Christ has done to us, it changes us to. To see that following Jesus is not about doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. It's about being thankful and respond to what he gladly gave to us. It's about responding, not about trying to uh, force yourself to do something that you don't want to do. And it kind of reminds me, if, you're, if you call New City Home, you're familiar with our $5 Give Club, right? $5 Give Club, if you're not familiar, is where we invite our people once a month to give an additional $5 on top of their regular offering, and then we film a video, and every month it goes to a family or a non Local in our area in need. And what's so cool is that the recipient never knows they're about to receive a check at the end of the video, right? And what always happens is after they receive that check, they're excited, they're grateful, they're thankful, not because we told them that when we give you, it's not like before we film it, it's like, you better be happy about this, right? We don't do that, right? They're just excited. Why? Because they've received something they didn't see coming that they might thought that they didn't deserve, right? And this is what we do to Jesus, that Jesus does for us. What we don't deserve and it causes us to respond and so in that vein uh, we have this month's special christmas edition of the five dollar gift club we would love to share with you check out on the screen
1: hey new city and welcome back to the five dollar gift club where we believe through small amounts we can make a big impact this month i was able to sit down with a face that we all know and love and we cannot wait to share with you how your generosity made an impact this month So I'm sitting here with Sherrod, who we all know and love. Uh, Probably the happiest guy that I know every Sunday and (laughs) Tuesday and Wednesday when you're coming to hang out with us at the church. Uh, Just the happiest guy that I know. But while you are very happy most of the time, we know that sometimes life can be not happy. Yeah. Life can be difficult. And so um, in light of the holiday season where we know things are joyful all around us, but maybe not joyful in our own life or in our own household, What have these last few months been like? Well, I mean, I've had a couple of things over the past couple months
2: that hasn't necessarily gone my way. Um, I got in a car accident and for about a week or so. I didn't know exactly how I was gonna be able Mm. to go back and forth and do what I needed to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had some work stress going on lately. Uh, Luckily, I kind of figured that out at work and I'm okay where I'm working right now. Uh, Of course, more money is more better, but like, uh, I'm, I'm, I can live the way that I need to live right now and yep. be okay and be comfortable.
1: How's the family situation been?
2: Uh, it's actually gotten a lot better. My mom has been like kind of going through something as far as like stress related, work related, and she's been um, taking it kind of hard. And I'm her son, you know. Yeah. I'm not her peer. I'm not her husband. I'm not you know anybody that can really offer her that kind of help that she yeah. kind of needs right now. Yeah. And so I've just been praying over that and it looks like it's been she's been turning uh turning a corner and uh you know, finding figuring out what she needs spiritually, you know, mentally, yeah. relationship wise, because
1: um I have no clue how to help her and the only thing I can do about that is pray. Yeah. And so Sharra, we know that I mean you work hard. Yeah. I mean how many jobs do you have at one time? You're always doing <laughs> multiple things, because yeah. you are one of the main providers for your family as well. Yeah, yeah. Um
2: I'm one of the people from basically the beginning of high school I had my first job which is not like to say a lot a lot of people work through school but at the time I was working uh, you know working basically full time about 35 hours a week at a restaurant and going to school full time Mm. and it was it's not like a soft or anything it was just sometimes you just have to do what you have to do um, in order to you know Live life, and I don't regret any of it. You know, right. some people have to do certain things. There's people that are definitely in way worse positions than I than I was at that point in time. Yeah, and I can't be mad about it.
1: Man, that's what I love about you, Sirad. I mean, even though, like I said, we know life is difficult sometimes. Yeah. You're always the biggest encourager and the first person to say good morning and just smile in the mornings. And so, through all the things that have been difficult, situations that didn't go your way, yeah. how has Jesus been faithful? How has Jesus? Showed up in the midst of that because that's what you know the Christmas season is about. That Jesus is here. So how have you seen that? Uh, A couple years ago, I had a couple
2: people enter my life that kind of brought me back to the faith, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where my quote-unquote story like turns around and has like another encouraging aspect of it. And I've had people, um, even people at New City and people outside of New City, and just people in my life in general that. kind of help me through things. It's not like I'm pushing through it all by myself. I have moments of weakness and I make mistakes. um, But, you know, having somebody else in my life, 100%, it helps that a lot. And I think that's one of the main ways that Jesus kind of helps us now. He's a a great counselor. He uses people in ways that you would never expect to help push you through tough situations.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think that... I think that's 100% true. And we see that in the great command, love God and love others. so if we can do that, man, we can show people Jesus in the way that we we live. And so my final question for you, Sherrod, is how has New City impacted you in 2019? How has the church showed up? How has, you know, because you're a great blessing to us at New City, like you you really are. But what has it meant to have a church community uh, this this last year and what that's been like? So New City is exactly that, it's a church community.
2: and I say this all the time whether it yeah. be right or whether it be wrong like I go to church first and foremost to be around people of God you know um, be around people that actually love and care about you Yeah, um, yeah. and New City is 100% been that like um, when I'm when I'm going through something or when I'm struggling with something I can always come talk to somebody and there's always encouragement there and there's yep. always love there and I know that if there's any situation that I'm dealing with um, personally or relationship wise or you know just in life in general.